all that playback. Like, now I want to do everything I couldn't do. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's like, uh, you 48, poo. Right. (laughs) But, but, yeah, but that's how it is. Like, you start to do it afterwards because, like you said, and and when you, I just think about why wasn't that stuff, you know, kind of told us. And I was like, even though they were having their struggles, I mean, now that I can kind of, okay, because I had kids and I know in my adult years, like, they were struggling with that mental health as well. So how could they teach us to be like, you need to be healthy. You and the dad need to be somewhat at a, a healthy point to raise these children and it wasn't about the finances but you need to be like okay because you go through a lot of ups and downs raising children you know um so i'm gonna I'm chime in here i i you know my house growing up we didn't talk about anything either uh sex drugs or videos like <laughs> anything um but you know that i'm older and i kind of work in this field myself i um, I have to think about, you know, sometimes you don't know that you don't know. I think our parents just did not know. Um, and when it comes to having sex early, we, we're still not properly educating our daughters about sex. We didn't do it then and we're not doing it now. Um, and all that also goes into your mental health. But I think as our parents, one reason why they didn't teach us, because I think my mom, I think my mom in general taught me most of the things that she knew. But sometimes you don't know that you don't know. Sometimes you don't know that you're that you need this help. Help wasn't really available like it is now. Mm-hmm. Nobody talked about mental health back then, so we can't expect for them to heal when nobody heal. I mean, their parents were broken. It's a whole generation back from, um, you know, come from slavery. Basically, that's where it comes from. It's a whole generation after generation after generation, and our generation is probably the first generation to be like, you know what, let's sit down and work right, on this mental health. Right. But they didn't know, so how can they teach you something that they don't know? Dr. Uh, Rashida, how, how important do you think that mental health is as far as, like, today and raising children and, you know, getting getting ourselves? I think we're still working with it in our adult years. Absolutely. Um, so accurate information, I think, is one of the most important things when you're having discussions like this because a lot of the stigma and the the resistance to actually engaging in care is due to lack of accurate information. Mm. And what I mean by accurate information, it's not only like what's in the textbooks and stuff like that, but being able to apply it to that person and their specific set of circumstances or a people like being black or African-American. So what we're talking about here, your foundation is is absolutely important. And so when people become parents by choice or circumstance, Mm -hmm. um, it's really important for them to have a certain level of stability in their lives. That's emotional stability, emotional mental health, it's, it's financial, it's home life, all of those things because it has a direct influence and impact on the development of the child. When you're a child, all of your everything nurturing is mm-hmm. is happening in that household with your primary care providers, yes. your mother, father, and all of the other people that are in that household. And so if there's if there's instability, if there's chaos, that necessarily mm. has a negative impact or a, a challenging impact on the the nervous system, the brain development, the emotional well-being oh, yes. of that child mm-hmm. into adulthood unless there's intervention. Right. And I was thinking about that because you work with young girls and Thomas, you mm-hmm. work with young children as well, girl and boys. But I was like, I was wondering like why, well, I was wondering why people don't, because typically when you go in, because you did something else with that too, right, Tamiko, like working with kids? Um, I work with families and child protection, so. Right. So I'm like most of the time, because I hear a lot of stories and you know, I hear a lot of stories about when they go there. Most of the time, when they have to evaluate the child, yeah. it's always the parents. Yeah, well, I mean, when you when you meet a child, uh, you, you meet their parents. The parents. Oh, I mean, yeah. when you meet a child, you meet their parents, and because of that, also you can't you cannot even interview children without their parents. Just legally, you can't. So anytime I was just going to say, put a disclaimer on it. <laughs> legally, <laughs> you yeah. cannot. Legally, absolutely, legally, you cannot. And um, ethically, you shouldn't want to. You shouldn't want to. If, especially if you're trying to if you're trying to help a child you should also try to help the whole entire family right. because if there's something going on with the child that they need help then their parents nine times out of ten need the help too right exactly so why would you want to, <laughs> so would you want to deal with the whole family right I mean, they, they do that people think that you can only heal children but you cannot heal a child and put them back into a toxic household 
it just I know, and that's why I said, right, and that's why I said they always go for the children first. Why don't we put as much emphasis on doing the family first? I mean, the the parents. Because like the I mental said, health. yeah, the mental health and check on that first and then start with the kids. Because by that time, they don't pick up everything that their parents do. And, you know? and I think a lot of that comes through the school. The parents are not in school. Oh. The parents are not in school. A lot of that comes through the school system. And or if they're in extracurricular activities or something like that, that's when it comes in. But the parents are not there. They're usually at work or at home with their other children or whatever. And sometimes to get to a parent, sometimes you have to go through your kid to get to a parent. Right. What do you think, uh, being that we are adults right now, when did you, I don't know, because I, I called somebody to ask them to be on the show, and they was like, um, they haven't really had that transition of a mental health or needing to be helped with mental mm-hmm. health. But I'm just, so because we said we was going to share some of our personal stories. At what moment in your life, I don't know who want to go first, but one, what, what moment in your life that you thought or you knew that you need to check in on your mental health? Uh, during my separation slash right before the divorce because mm-hmm. I had never that is something I had never experienced but you know I, I like I had this was like a real marriage you know right. <laughs> shout, shout out, out to, to the real fake marriages. ones oh, yeah. <laughs> look I said shout, shout out, out to the, the fake ones <laughs> so when that when the demise of that happened I spiraled out of control right. and I did not know how to I didn't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like whether I had a part in it or not, I did not know how to deal with the backlash mentally of it. Mm-hmm. Because everybody know, if y'all didn't know, I loved that man. Come on, <laughs> love. Shout out to love. <laughs> <laughs> but when, so when that demise happened, my mind literally, I had to, I don't know, it's like something clicked in my brain, my whole entire brain. Everything everything I could be destructive in I wanted to do it to get away from it I did not want to face it I did not want to look at it I didn't want to see it I didn't want to hear it when I tell you everything destructive I could do other than die right I wanted to do it because I wanted to get rid of that pain with pain if that makes sense I don't know if it makes sense but it made sense in the moment because it it like threw me for a loop. Like I was blindsided by the whole thing. Not by the, you know, I did my dirt, but I'm saying like blindsided <laughs> by the idea that it was over after all these years. Cause I had been with him since I was 17 years old. So, so yeah. So would that so be I, considered like a mental, a mental breakdown? Or well, something? I mean, so we use a lot of terms incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of language that's in the like common atmosphere that, is actually used incorrectly. Mm. We label things because we we see them in in the common you know culture. Right, right. But they're they're not actually the same way that we use those terms when we're working with folks. So what I'm what I think is important to emphasize here is that mental health is about health. Mm-hmm. It's a part of yep. being healthy. Right. And what we're really talking about when we say mental health is the ch- are the challenges that people experience when they are not mentally well mm-hmm. or mentally healthy. What we're really talking about is mental illness mm-hmm. or yeah. uh, a mental health disorder when we actually label it. And so that can happen over time, like a buildup of neglect of your wellness Mm. and then you quote unquote break because you've Mm -hmm. been holding it in you've been trying to maintain you've been ignoring for so long and then something happens that gets you to a breaking point and you no longer have enough to contain it Mm -hmm. and it kind of spills out yes then we would label that something depending Uh on the the collection of symptoms and stuff that's happening then that's when we label it a mental health disorder okay when there's enough going on and enough consequences Mm -hmm. of those that we can call it something yeah but we all struggle with varying degrees of lack of mental health or challenges to our mental health so here let's talk about what it means to be mentally well what it means to be mentally healthy, then we can know what not being well looks like. Right, right? and we don't even talk about the the being mentally well. And I guess in our culture, we always talk about being the mentally ill or the mental mm-hmm. um, not being well. 
Uh, you can give us a call at 612-377-3456, Walter Q. Bell Banks. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to chime in on this. But, yeah, we I do, we really don't talk about mental wellness. Yeah, when we say mental health, oh, I have a mental health that's good. issue. I have a mental health problem. What we're actually talking about are the challenges to being well, mm-hmm. not okay. what it takes to to feel good mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis and feel capable on a day-to-day basis to meet life's challenges. I could think about like going back in my life like it was it was always a time that I could be like Man, you wasn't mentally well back then like we think about like you know how that Reflect kids are. Back. Yeah. <laughs> I put that on Facebook the other day I was like uh boy if you would have just listened <laughs> but I just think about yeah like growing up it was so everybody now that I look at everybody I was you, I think you might be overdoing it with everybody. <laughs> oh, also, you, are you here? Wait, wait, you, wait, wait, you here? I, I, I was going to let y'all have a conversation because okay. y'all, like, y'all did y'all woman thing where y'all skipped around me like five times and everybody okay, talked. So let me go ahead and hop in. He, he can't help it. On, I know he I'm can't on. help it, baby. On, <laughs> no, because y'all, y'all do it so casually. And you know, I'm always trying to open it up. Like, yo, what's up? What's up, you Bear? I was waiting. I want you to chime in, in because you know, because yeah, you know, they was gonna get five trips around the sun. Go ahead. And what was you about to oh, say, no, bro? Everything's good. Have they we? Have me we? Too, actually, oh no, you got your time. <laughs> no, have we actually defined? Have we actually defined what healthy looks like? Ooh, that's what we just said. Wellness. No, no. But I'm saying, have we defined it? Mm. As in, in this room, or or just all together as a collective? (laughs) Not me. Has anybody actually said what it looks like? Mm, That'd be good because that because that that's a question within itself. That's right. And then, like you know, Rashida said, Doctor Rashida said that once you establish that, then you can do the breakdowns, and Mm -hmm. then you'll find out where you actually stand and where you actually Mm -hmm. place that within the situation itself. Because we really do talk about the negative side of things compared to the positive side of what it really could be looking like. Right. Okay, so I'll take a stab at it. Wait, wait, let, wait, wait. Let Thomas go because he interrupted me so um, unapologetically. And I wasn't going to apologize. Either. I know, but uh, so, you still have so, to let a person, excuse me, you still, I was saying a statement before you just interrupt, but go ahead. He, no, I didn't land, oh, but well, go ahead. I mean, he needed time to shine. Go ahead. I, I don't need no, no, go I, ahead. I go ahead. Go ahead. So, so what I want to say because I, 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 I know she she misstated what what I do in work. So I wanted to make sure that I talked about this because it happens so much every week. That sometimes you have people who are overdiagnosed with mental health illness, and with child protection services, as one of the people uh, on, on my stream stated, uh, Sister Marsha, when Ch- child protection services came into her family, that created an unrest for her child, and so her child is now. She said her son is now a daughter because of CPS coming in and the type of games that they were playing with the children mental health and the situations that they put them in putting them in foster homes and things of that nature i would say I this about to, like, hold on let, really, let, really, let, i understand let me, let me, i want i want you to finish your point but i also want to make sure that we're not being disparaging no that's what she said or okay that's what she that's what she said and i, I think I, it's important to choose what things we highlight as how people attribute things and when we don't and when we just let them have that, well, that wanted, thought for themselves. Well, but when to, we're on air and we have lots of people listening hmm. to this for some for entertainment and possibly for guidance and education. When we when we say this is what a person said and we speak it, mm-hmm. um, you know, as as a part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Challenging situations obviously bring out different responses, but gender identity is not one of them. So what I wanted to say is that you have to be careful in who you let tell you who you are and what you are when it comes to your mental health, because a lot of times the environments is what create things that are unhealthy. And so we don't talk about the environments. And I think that's what she is saying, because when you remove these children from their homes, there are mental traumatic experiences that they experience. And those things lead to multiple tools of things. And it's not so natural as people are so calmly saying, and they won't even do the studies to get it done. So that's what I wanted to be a uh, matter of fact about uh, when we talk about mental health, because I always have to remind us when we wanted to escape from the plantations, they called us crazy and said that we have draped ammonia. And that's what they diagnosed everybody who wanted to be free from the plantation with. So they said we were mentally ill because we wanted to be free. So those are some of the things mm-hmm. that we have to understand as we come into this conversation. It's the environment and then also who's dictating what is healthy and what is unhealthy, as Brother Cubat was stating, and what standard are you living by? 
because if you allow someone else to dictate that to you, you may put yourself in an unhealthy state. So back to what you were saying when you were younger, some of the choices in the culture that we indulged in, that messed up a lot of people's mental health because I can think of some of my homeboys who were involved in murder and other traumatic experiences. They were never the same after they pulled the trigger Mm. or after they stabbed someone. Mm -hmm. Some of the sisters I know that were raped, they were never the same after they were raped. And so those are the things that I feel like in our community, we don't necessarily dive into as much because we talk about all other the other things. We don't necessarily talk about our actual experiences that bring that mental health or that mental illness to the table. And one last thing, my brother-in-law, Thaddeus, shout out to him. He's one of those people I'm talking about. He was involved in a murder when he was 18 years old. Young man had a bright uh, future. He had, had his dorm picked out and everything. And he was uh, a part of a murder. Mm. his senior year in high school and he's never been the same and never got diagnosed with it at all they never diagnosed with him you know until he started having that breakdown four years later right Mm. and so they allowed him to work in prisons they allowed him to do so many things and then he's in my he's in my kitchen punching at the refrigerator saying that i can't get these voices out of my head oh no but this is months after he was cutting himself Mm -hmm. months after he was playing with guns in the dark when he was in Mississippi, et cetera. So shout out to him because he's on that path to getting himself right. But that's what I'm talking about when we talk about our what Q was saying, you know. Give us a call at 612-377-3456 to let us know where you are landing in this conversation about mental health. Um, I'm going to chime in here. on a um, When I realized that I needed to get some help, so um, I'm a different kind of girl, and I say that, you know, my mom, I'm, I'm sure – um, my, I'm different from my mom. I'm different from my sister. I'm different from the most people in my family, just how I handle things, how I handle situations. Um, I had a kid at 17, you know. My sister had three kids at 19, but my mom did not have kids until after she was married. So I guess she did it, quote, unquote, right. Um, and I got married early. I, and, you know, everything, we were going good. Everything was going good until I had my daughter. And that's what made me look at myself because I have an interesting relationship with my mom. I have an interesting relationship with my sister, and I did not want that kind of relationship with my daughter. And at that point, not when she was first born, when she was little. Um, I hope she's not listening to this because she doesn't like this story. But um, <laughs> I did not realize I had postpartum depression because that's another thing we don't talk about in this community. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did not like my daughter. I tell people she didn't like me, but the reality is I did not like her. I did not like the relationship she had with her dad. Um, although I wanted them to have a close relationship, I did not. Um, when I looked at her, I, it was like I seen all the flaws in me. And so um, we went to Michigan, where I'm from. Shout out to Michigan. And some stuff yeah, transpired. Man. And I um, I was just really not a good mom to her. And somebody else told me, one of my girlfriends there who has like four or five children, she was like, you need to get some help. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. So I come back home. Um, my daughter was cry. She's still a crybaby. We coming down the street. Um, she was crying. She was crying. She was crying. I literally had to step out the car because I was about to drive my children over the bridge. And mm-hmm. I, at that point, I called my husband like, I need to get some help. Right. I need to get some help. And um, it was more that I think that, you know, I had an interesting childhood. You know, I never been sexually abused. Uh, I never been beat or whatever. But I felt like my mom never wanted me. And I didn't understand that before. She never really treated me like that. But my sister is her favorite. That's just a fact. My sister is her favorite and I'm the baby. And so um, like a lot of other people, I grew up early. I I raised my sister kids. I had my own baby early. And I didn't realize how that affected me and also how I deal with men in my life or boys at a young age. Instead of because of the person who my mom was, and I gonna put all her business out here, and who my sister was and who my auntie was, I decided to go the other route. Like instead of me getting played by boys, I played boys, and I didn't realize that that was something that was mentally wrong with me. You know, um, I even though I got married early, but before my husband, I, 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 I played everybody, like everybody. In the beginning, I wasn't the best wife. Let me just say that he was when I met him, he was husband material. I had to learn to be a wife to him. And um, I didn't realize that that was all something that was mentally wrong with me because in my neighborhood, everybody was out of control, out of control. I um, I didn't sit. I, like I said, I really did not see that until I had my daughter. And I, I swear, every time I looked at her, I seen every flaw in me. 
and and that's why I, that's why I was gonna say before uh, Thomas interrupted. But like everybody, <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, 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 no. But that's, like you see how she just said like everybody because there if we really can just chime in and I don't know you know everybody in the community had something going on with their mental health. So how will we ever know, Doctor Rashida? What was the you know what did like Cuban said? What did mental healthiness health look like you know what what the healthy look like because everybody was thinking the same as Tamiko said you know everybody yeah um so it's really important Tamiko to not minimize that that the the uh, I I I didn't have this happen to me I didn't have that happen to me and it was only this but I didn't have that and did. and it's the but part that I think, and the and the prefacing that um, that I think is important. Many people say, "Well, this didn't happen to me, or that didn't happen to me," so you know, I don't have anything. I didn't have anything traumatic happen to me, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm saying this globally, the way that you the way that you talked about it, that it's really important to honor. If there's a disruption in a primary relationship, like you described with your mother, that that really does have a huge impact um, as you develop. Yeah, I, and for others to recognize that as well. I, so I understand that, and that's why I preference my mom. I was just saying that um, some of the things that some of my sisters went through, I didn't go through. I'm not minimizing that at all. I'm just saying that I understand um, this is about me and my story. And it's not about a minimize or anything. Those things did not happen to me. My disruption came with my relationship with my mom. I know that. Yeah. Um, I know that. I'm just, I'm thankful none of those things happened to me. But I'm not minimizing. I definitely understand this relationship is between my mom and my sister. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of it with my mom treating my sister like she was her favorite and you know that always bothers somebody you know something somebody told me about when you're the favorite it's not your fault that you're the favorite but people fought you because you're the favorite and I did that with my sister but I didn't know because I was the little sister and I feel like I also had to grow up because my sister also had some real mental health issues that we still don't understand what they are you know and they presented themselves early but as a kid I didn't know but as an adult when I look back I can see that and the because we didn't understand that or my mom didn't know or, or she didn't get any help the the things that I had to do to help my sister so at probably nine I turned to the big sister and me and my sister are nine years apart so I understand all of that affected me as an adult and how I handle situation and how I handle people um, because I really did not want to be like I, I focused so much about not being like my mom that it created a person that I shouldn't have been right oh. we, got a hey, we got a phone call go ahead caller hi oh are you ready for me to add the comment? Yes, ma'am. Go we ahead. Do. <laughs> Good morning. Oh, okay. I'm listening, so I didn't know it was my time. But hi, everybody. I'm Dee Dee. I'm a North Sider for life. Um, and I'm listening in, and I'm kind of concerned because no one is addressing the spiritual person, the spirit man. And that's who we are. We are spirit beings living in this natural world. And so when we do experience traumatic events, like myself, I was molested when I was four, and some of the things didn't come out until I was became an adult. And I went through some mental illness, a mental disorder, whatever you want to call it. They called me bipolar and all, everything else. But until we address the spirit person, the spirit person, which is a spirit man, meaning believing in God and having faith in God, they can ther- they can have therapy. I went through therapy. They, they I, medicine. I went through medicine. But we got to get back to who we are. We are spirit beings living in this natural world. So we have to trust God and believe that He is our healer, whether it's mental health or physical health, and have a faith base, have something to fall back on. Um, and so I just think that needs to be really addressed in our community. When I was dealing with psychological things and we had our little groups and everything, I'm like, I know what's missing. The component that was missing is spiritual therapy. And so that is what is more important to me is that we deal with the spirit man. And so I just wanted to add that in and let people be blessed by that and, and trust that God is in control, but we got to have faith in him that he will, he will heal us when we need healing. All right. Well, thank you okay, for your thank comment. You. Thank you for your comment. And I, I just want to say that, you know, it's. I think it's I want to validate your point because they have shown that people who have spiritual belief, they do have a level of healing kind of different than folks who do not believe. So it does work in some aspects for the, the physical. 
And I do think it's a combination of things that we actually need. But we are spiritual people before we actually got to this country. We didn't necessarily believe in all of those other things. And as uh, one of my therapist uh, friends, uh, Miss Mason, has reminded me uh, numerous times, is that a lot of the things that we take for granted when it comes to fellowship, a lot of that is your support system as well. And that is a therapeutic approach at the same time. So sometimes we... You know, I, I heard what you said, and I don't want to necessarily just keep it at a surface level. I think it's a little bit, you know, it's a lot deeper. And that's one of the things they beat out of us when we got to this country. And so it's kind of hard to say those types of things, sister, when we live in a sick society. Because a lot of people, they do got spirits they run to. It's the club. It's the bottle. <laughs> it's the weed. Yeah. It's the sex. It's the clothes. It's the money. And that's their spiritual, that is their spiritual being. And it's, that's why we live in such a sick society now. But when you talk about mental health, it's hard to tell sick people that they're sick when they think that the sick things that they run to is actually healing. Right. So that's one of the hardest things ever. So I, I definitely grasp where you're coming from. And so keep it up. And, uh, hey, I tell anybody out there, believe in something. I thought, you know, I think, thank you, Thomas. You said that so well because I had something totally different to say. But I'm not going to say it. Um, yeah. Shout out to her for, you know, if the spiritual part. But it, it does work because even when even when I was going through her. stuff, we got, okay, go ahead. We got another call. That was good, though, how you go said ahead, that. Go ahead, Carla. You there? Hi, yes. This is Marcia Matt, who Thomas was just talking about. Two things I want to tell y'all. The community does play a big part in our kids' lives and everything that we do have going on here. I'm the mother of Terrell Lamont Mays Jr. that was killed December 26, 2011. That's one tragedy that hit my home. And then, like I said, Child Protection didn't ask to interview me. They went and took my child from the school and kept my child, and we drug that out for two years. So it's a lot of mental health everywhere here in Minnesota, and it's different things that's and it's hard out here, especially when we cry out to people for help and we don't get it mm. when it first started. So I just had to call in and tell y'all that. Again, I'm Marcia May, the Jesus mother Marcia. to the three-year-old that was killed Thank here. You. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to say this about Minnesota, too, because a lot of people don't know this real quick, is that Minnesota was running experiments on the citizens at one point on the mental health. A lot of folks here don't know that. So that's something that a lot of people here do not necessarily know. And also, let's piggyback. You talked about when we were coming up. Remember that I, when I, you know, the 90s, I remember a lot of the parents were putting their children on SSI because they wanted the money. And they were putting, uh, they, they were getting psych medicines for their kids. And nothing was wrong with the kids. They would go down and tell the kids to go and do certain things. Those medicines, those things have ramifications generations later. And, you know, because you got to understand those young men, those young women, they have children now. And a lot of your mental health also is not just environment, it's your chemical makeup, too. So if you disrupt that chemical by putting things that you don't necessarily need in your body and it was a way because hey, poor people trying to figure out a way to make some money, too. Right. And so, you know, those are the types of things that I don't think that in our community we do a full dive in. We talk about everything else, but there's a lot of things systematically that has happened to us that impacts our mental health. And I'm more of a what happened to us type person, more so than the other things. I'm not trying to discount what Dr. Rashida here is talking about. Hey, you're looking good in that pink, by the way, too. (laughs) Uh, But I'm not trying to discount what everybody's saying, but I do feel like uh, like Sister Marsha Mays and her situation, like she said, she went from one traumatic experience, losing her son, Mm -hmm. and then Child Protection Services comes in takes her other child out of the home, takes her child away from her from two years, your child come back different. A, the child never addressed the fact that they lost their brother, right? Mm -hmm. B, you get removed from your home. And then when you go into these places, we talked about unhealthy environments, there's no telling. And what happens a lot of times with child protection services, the children get molested. The children get physically assaulted. And so their their mental health is never dealt with. Mm -hmm. And then they'll put them back into the home with all of those damages in the community. And so that's what sister was talking about with her earlier comment on my phone. So I just wanted to land there. And, and I wanted to say, and she is not telling, I mean, she is not lying because I, you guys know about my experience. When my kids was younger, they 39, whatever. But when um, 
my my daughter, she was like, we living in Blaine, and you know, I'm making quick. She going through this little area. I'm like, when you go to school, you cannot go through this area. Da da da. You know, I'm telling her because I'm like the pedophiles, whatever going on. And so she was doing it. So somebody came in town, and so she was like, we go through there every day. So you know, and me as a mom, I say, when you get home, I'm whooping your butt. When you get out of school, I'm whooping your butt. So I'm at home four or five o'clock. I think I told you about the story. I'm at home four or five o'clock. One kid come home. She not there. I'm like, okay, da da. I'm thinking they at the school, at the school program. Go back up there. I said, go look, get your sister. They go back up there. She not there. He does not come back. So I sent the the other one like, go and see where your brother and your sister at. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, like what's going on? Cause I'm cooking, getting everything prepared for the next day, or whatever. Come to find out, she went to school, went to the nurse's office, and said, I got beat. And had actually, because it's, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. Like oh, Miss May said, 2023, she just put in the inbox because I went through all this. Long story short, they came and got my kids because she said that she got hit and she had bruises. 2023, we in our group chat as a family. And she was like, oh, mom, I'm sorry. You know, we making jokes. And I said, remember that time my son thought about something. He was traumatized. He was like, every time I think about Lyme something, he was like, I think about when the foster care took us. And it was it was traumatic for him. And he's like 28 right now. But he was like, I think by the time we got fought, you know, taken away. And she come in the chat box as if it was like nothing. It was like, yeah, I had put marks on my arm. And so because I didn't want to go home because I knew I was going to get in trouble. They did not, like she said, they did not interview me until after they took my children. Because when they went there, eventually they took all of them. And then all of a sudden, here come a police to my house saying, you effing beat your children and da-da-da. So I'm like what like what's going on and it was like the my son whatever foster care they went through they was calling me he was like tearing their house apart okay they could not control him and never like i said they never interviewed me they never took my kids and like i said i noticed she telling you my son is 28 years old and he just was in our group chat like every time i see lime or smell lime or something he said he think about that that experience I, I would like to just interject that while we're talking, we're giving lots of great examples about how trauma impacts people, what trauma is, what it looks like in our community, and how people respond to it. We're actually not doing that good of a job of creating information for people. We've talked about so many different things that certainly impact our mental health as as African-Americans, as black folks, as people in urban settings, as people that have experienced um, economic insecurity and all of those things. But we're not, we, we still haven't even answered the, the foundational question of what healthy looks like. We've kind of touched on it. Certainly, we have to take account to the historical trauma that is systemic oppression and all of those things and how that impacts us and how it impacts us in so many different areas. That's not missed. But also, it's important to know that there are more, not as many as there needs to be. There are more mental health professionals that are spiritually grounded and incorporate spirituality and understand systemic oppression and work to incorporate how that has impacted a person and uses all of the science and all of that simultaneously to provide wellness. So it's really about creating more access for people, creating more people that understand that and have their their mission as a mental health professional to work on those specific kinds of issues and that have expertise in it. Um, and May, in general, is about destigmatizing the idea that mental health is a thing in our community and that there is help available. Yeah. So I wonder if we can just start shifting, because I, we only have about 20 minutes left, that we can start shifting towards not creating or reinforcing um, all of the the things that have happened because we know that there's lots of challenges, but let's instill some hope that that we can address it and that there are resources available okay. for people. And that's the way you shift it because I had this up on the. So if you Google, <laughs> so, well, can I can wait, I wait. can I say something real quick? Um, so the question is: someone, We got a caller. Yeah, we I'll got wait. a caller. Caller, what you thinking? 
Hi, my name is Kim. I'm calling from St. Paul, and I really appreciate the conversation um, that is happening on the air this morning because I think it is so important. Um, I recently was in a, a situation where I had to provide emergency foster care for my grandson who was seven, and in that experience, what I realized is that he, he's my son's son, and so in that experience, what I realized is that uh, both both his parents were uh, being required um, to so-called get themselves together so they can get their child back. But I realized that they're not being given the tools um, needed. Um, and in my mind, I'm thinking our children need culturally specific parenting skills. Um, I just see it, and I work in a situation where I work with women who are in the process of reunification with their children, so I see it, you know, a diverse group of people who are working with their, trying to get their kids back, but in our community, I just see that there's a big difference, and we, we suffer or have different barriers, and it is so important that we understand that the, the parents that are trying to get their kids back understand that they're not necessarily bad parents, but they have suffered through some traumas, and they are in a, a, a cycle of uh, generational um, things that they need to understand in order to, um, you know, get some changes going on in their life as parenting goes. So I'm just, I'm in the process of actually trying to um, create a, a space, a safe space um, where that can happen because it, it's just really important to me that parents understand that um, you're not necessarily a bad parent. You just may not have been given the proper tools uh, of uh, you know, understanding of what's going on with you so that you can better parent your child. Um, and I just really appreciate this conversation. And one other thing I want to say, every mother has a story. And so um, I just appreciate this conversation so much. And um, um, I'm about to go and work right now, but uh, thanks for having this conversation this Thank morning. Thank you, ma'am. Have a good uh, day. To you and your family and blessings. Um, I, I have a question. Um when we say that um, what does healthy look like, um, the fact that healthy will look different for everyone. Thank you, Latoya, for that. Um, uh, L.R. Wilson. And if we are still in our healing, how do, and we don't have a, <laughs> and we don't have anything, if we're all coming out of this at the same time at some point, who do we look at to say this is what our healing looks like or is it something that we want to look like? Um I, I so that's what I want. I wanted because we're gonna Google and then Dr. Rashida. I think you can give us the ungoogled uh, definition. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, because that's what everybody do. They go to Google. So characteristics of being mentally healthy is uh, emotional stability, feeling calm and able to manage emotions, resilience, the ability to cope with the stresses of daily life, optimism, feeling positive about your life and future, self-esteem. Feeling positive about yourself. And that's, you know, because that's what everybody do. They go to Google. But we, I mean, can you break that down to a different terminology of it? I mean, that's basically it. So it's a person's ability to function well cognitively, your thought processes, your feelings or emotions, and your behaviors. That's that really like all a, it is. Is that like 100% of the time, though? Even if you just have a moment when you're out of control for that moment, is that, so that's mentally unhealthy? No, no. So, so again, we're talking about what does mental health look like mm -hmm. versus mental illness mm -hmm. or a mental health disorder. Mm -hmm. When we are talking about mental health, we're actually describing the challenges that come with not maintaining mental health, what we call a mental illness or a mental health disorder. That's when you're not able to do that on a regular and consistent basis, what you describe. Feeling helpful, feeling hopeful, manage your emotions, manage your behaviors, have healthy relationships, create stability in your life, all of those sorts of things. Feel, feel spiritually connected and grounded in whatever way that, you know, evolves for you. When you're not able to do that on a regular basis, there's distress. When you feel distressed, when you, when they're, it creates dysfunction mm -hmm. in your life. What we're describing then is mental illness. And then depending on which symptoms are creating that distress 
and that dysfunction, we call it certain things like depression, anxiety, etc. When you are culturally centered in your approach to counseling, then we take into consideration all of the cultural factors. Your experience being whatever gender identity, racial identity, socioeconomic, religion, political, family structure, all of those things to create what that looks like for you. So if it's Thomas or if it's Tiffany or LR or everyone, Tamiko, myself, everyone's healthy is going to look a little different because the impacts, the experiences, while there are a lot of commonalities, is unique to that person and how they, their personhood responded to certain adverse situations, the experiences that they had. So it's, it's all about how to label, not just the labeling of it, but the understanding where it came from, how it evolved into what it, it was, and then giving people the skills to cope with it, to change what it is, whatever um, unhealthy coping mechanisms they developed over time, and to design their life literally how they want to design it, that they you get to have some ownership over what it looks like because... Again, to, to to one of Thomas's points, you do have to question whose expectations you are trying to live towards. There are a lot of things in the global society, specifically in the United States, that we've been told is good for us that's not. From our family system, we've been conditioned certain ways. Um, that's not necessarily healthy for us. And the reason we know it's not healthy for us is because we responded in a way that now creates dysfunction in our life. Right, right. Yes. That goes back to what Dr. Emmons Wilson said, though, um, in one of his speeches in the early 90s about how we are mentally, and going back to the first caller's point, we're mentally as well as spiritually possessed in this country. And so when we talk about what does the healthiness look like, it goes back to 1865 and when they were negotiating, um, you know, right after the Civil War, was that we need to unplug and pull out so we can self-describe. That's part of the issue because we don't have, we're not developing our own criteria. And so when you're, when you're dealing with other people determining what's healthy for you, then you probably are going to be in an unhealthy situation. And so that is where I think our community struggles a lot with Mm. It's because we are too plugged in. And I think we're inundated more than ever because of social media, um, because of how it just seems like everything is on top of you and you don't get you don't get a break away. Like when we were growing up, you know, you would go to school and come home and you were kind of like in your own world compared to the regular world. Your parents would go to they would go to work, then they would come home and be in that community and they'll be away from all of that. Right. So we had escapes. Now we're inundated 24-7 and we're bombarded. And you seen that they're saying this thing with AI, the artificial intelligence. <laughs> they're worrying how that's going to impact people's psyche because people will start getting wrong information about uh, mental wellness mm. as well as mental illness. And those things start to impact you internally. So I think that uh, to answer Q's point, uh, Q's question, I think, brother, that's the heavy work that we have not done or we have not attempted to do in a long time. We have not attempted to self-define, right, so that we can self-determine what is mentally healthy is for us. We just go off definitions that other people give us and we subscribe to that. But then we have to ask ourselves, are those people healthy? Right. Mm -hmm. Because I love W.E. Du Bois, but a lot what he was talking about was himself when he was describing uh, the dual personalities. He was talking about himself when you really study and read him more so than others, right? So he was talking about himself. It wasn't everyone that was going through that. That was what he was going through. So we have to just be able to understand that it's going to take, you know, because Doc is right when she says that it's different for everyone. She's, she's 100% right. But I do believe that we have like a collective landing spot. Mm. You know, we have a collective landing spot. Doesn't mean that it's 100% like me and Tamiko's going to agree with this or me and Doc going to agree with it or me and uh, L.I.'s going to agree with it. But, you know, we have to have those spots where collectively, all right, this is this is what we know at the base. This is healthy right here. Right. There's a lot of work and a lot of work 
scientifically, scientifically back, backed um, and grounded in understanding the history that's in um, black psychology. Lots of scholarship mm-hmm. that speaks to understanding what healthy, quote unquote, looked like, like the ways in which we operated as a people prior to the experiences of enslavement and the ongoing oppression and discrimination that we've experienced, how those things have been, how we've adopted and adapted to them over generations and how that shows up today and the ways that that can be undone. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of work out there that has established this already. I think what you're speaking to is that we don't collectively know it. There's just pockets of us mm-hmm. that know and understand. There's not a collective knowing and understanding. Well, you're the doctor. Uh, because, y'all, of y'all, y'all, y'all. <laughs> so, because of that. So yeah, I'm going to push back and say, you're the doctor. That's what y'all, I mean, honestly, it's not my field. So when, when I say when so I say that's that, why we should so, have people that are right. But hear me out. What I'm saying, though, because I think that is a that's a that's a large pushback in our community about black professionals. There's a lot of knowledge there, but it's not necessarily broken down in layman's to those people on the bottom. They don't got access. So when we talk about that self-determining, we need our, we need our leaders to lead in that. But we also need to be, make sure that it's and, and I'm not blaming the professionals because there's only so many. Um, it's, so, it's only so many and people it's hard to lead people that don't want to follow too that's one of the main things that I will say it's hard to lead people that don't want to follow but how do we how do we collectively help ensure that we can get the information that you have right and the knowledge that you have about those studies into the hands of some of those parents who are struggling because that's what I see when I when I see the families who are struggling with um child protection services and the mental illness before child protection services is that they don't necessarily have the information to, to be able to say, Hey, let me get to a safe spot so I can get myself better. So how do we get the professionals like yourself? Um, we're on a public radio station right now. <laughs> Wait, that's why I said I love um, Thomas uh, because we're that, on a you public right radio station <laughs> right now um, right. with a licensed professional and other people that are in the field and have knowledge and expertise. Um, and it's important that we allow those voices to be to be heard. There's a huge burden. I believe that people of color, specifically African-Americans that move into the mental health space mm-hmm. and do the research and all of that are so intentional. And my actual research bears it out that there's an intentional purpose for liberating our community. Yes, yes, yes. That is why we have gotten into the field in the first place. And yet there's so much other anecdotal stuff out there that it's hard to get through and the burden, uh, a righteous one indeed, but a lot of heavy lifting to to get people to even want to come in Mm -hmm. without all of the naysayers out there about the process. So having platforms like this, opportunities like this, where you can actually do just some ground level education Mm -hmm. about what people could be looking for, what's available, what's out there, feeling comfortable talking about what, what happened and how it's impacted them, normalizing the, the harmful, unuseful adaptations that we've that we experience on a regular basis is how we do that but it has to be done in a non-competitive way absolutely um where we're not talking over each other where there's an agreement on the messaging so that people walk away with some solid something solid instead of anecdote yeah, but but I want to I'm gonna go back to you again because I I still think for those people who are laymen and and this is because you can do that without you can you can still well well I, well I, well I'm saying the information like I know we're on the radio but mm-hmm. everybody's not listening to the radio the kids are not listening to the radio I'm saying how do we get it because. Nobody's gonna heal us. Social but us. media, but, yes. but, but TV, it, but but once again with social media, the parks, and we, rec centers, right. like there's so many, and 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 it's being done. I I as a person in the profession, okay. it's being done. 
so many people volunteer their time Mm -hmm. are creating YouTube channels and TikTok channels and all of that to help people understand what's happening to them from a culturally responsive, culturally centered, historically accurate perspective. Um, It is out there. Unfortunately, you got to sift through all the nonsense before you get there and have people in your family system. Because, again, your first influence, as we started the show, your first influence is your family system to to have enough uh, buy in in your social network that believes it's okay to to even acknowledge and go there. Mm-hmm. Well, we got three minutes yeah. left. And I appreciate got, that I, response, by the way. Yeah, I got uh, uh, for anybody if they want to take this number down. Train crisis workers that will listen to you directly. Um, you can call them. It's a, a global U.S. number. This is just something that's out there. We we I don't know if we have a Minneapolis one, uh, but it's one eight hundred nine eight five five nine nine zero. Or you can text talk with us to six six seven four six. It's a disaster distress helpline. Um, Latoya, I was going to ask you about um, being that you empowerment. If you could just quickly, like if they, the little groups that you have that they can um, get connected to, and how you get the, the girls and people to be empowered, just to even go um, to check on their mental health. If you would just tell us. So I, I'm L.R. Wilson, Empowerment Lifestyle Coach, and t- I give tools and resources to young moms as well as girls about empowerment. And what what comes with empowerment is living a healthy, men- being in a healthy mental space. And in order to do that, you have to have things in alignment with your goals, your aspirations, and you have to cut off some people. A lot of times they don't understand that they need to they need to cut off what's killing them in order to get to that space where they are able to um, access mental health services because a lot of them too have are under the stigma when you go to mental health, you crazy. And they don't understand, you know, the foundational work of that. So um, L.R. Wilson, Empowerment Lifestyle Coach, www.lrwilson.net. I do um, groups as well as talk to individuals individually to get them to a space of empowerment. And that goes with mentally and emotionally. All right. Thank you, Dr. Rashida. I, 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 you, you, did, you did your job. Like you, do, 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 do. you did your job today. And like I said, for the month of May, we will continue to talk about this. I think next week we're going to have... Uh, a younger woman come in and if you would like to come back Dr. Rashid because I just want you like to navigate it to hey, can, make, can, can, we, get, can we get my man I, I gotta bring my brother Kasim on Kasim I gotta bring Dr. Kasim on man he's good because is he here I don't know who Dr. Yeah, Kasim yeah that's my guy man I was gonna bring him on with Terry but I feel like a lot of times especially when it comes to the conversation with um, mental health you know, I, I want my brothers to be at the table having that dialogue Absolutely more so should. than others mm-hmm. because I, I feel like sometimes that's really what's missing and it and it goes over everybody's head, especially we're, we're talking about, you know, summer's coming here and we see more of the impact of, because everybody will be outside, so we'll see a lot of the, 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 the unhealthiness of not taking care of our mental health then. All so. right, so y'all make sure y'all tune in next Saturday, 8 o'clock a.m. Thank you, Dr. Rashida, and thank you, everyone. Thank you. Yeah, Dr. Rashida, come on. I thank you for coming on arguing <laughs> with me. This is y'all, y'all don't know, man. This is like one of my sparring partners, man. So I have to spar it up. She know she she beats me up every time, but it's okay. I still I still show up for the fight. <laughs>